We've now come to the second to last sermon in this series on the Gospel of John. And we're in the last chapter, and today we're going to look at Peter's restoration. And my goal this morning is to grasp the gentle love of Jesus and also his commitment to our growth. And three three parts to this. Uh, the story from Peter's perspective, then we'll look at the story from Jesus' perspective, and then our own perspective, what the story is teaching us. Last time, we were looking at the revelation of Jesus on the beach, how he revealed himself to his disciples. And we saw that the story is not telling us to make sure we're listening to Jesus, as to where to cast our nets. The disciples didn't even know it was Jesus, but he was there. He was present because it's not about us and our faith. This story is about him and his faithfulness. And we saw that our response to the story is not to be anxious because of Jesus' presence all the time, his ongoing presence and care, even when we don't see him. And so what we have to do is to allow Jesus to reveal himself to us through this story, where even though he had a new resurrection body, he still cared for the disciples, for those he left behind, struggling with their old body and their need for food and things like that. He still cared. So uh, an overview then of the Gospel of John, two halves, the Book of Signs, chapters 1 to 12, and the Book of Glory, 13 to 21. Of course, we're in the Book of Glory, which looks like this. A meal with the disciples at the beginning, and all of the, the teaching and crucifixion in the middle, and then at the end, another meal with the disciples. This is the part we're coming to. But we're going to see that there's several other things that match 13 to 21 as well as the meal, and they tie together and they link together to make bookends to this central section. So just to summarize how these two match, they're the only two places in the gospel where Jesus uses a specific term of address where he calls them little children. Both times he humbly serves the disciples, once with washing their feet and then by cooking them breakfast. Uh, Both times they eat together, Jesus passes out bread. The first one, Peter has a proud claim that he would never deny Jesus. And then the second one is his restoration. And of course, in the middle is his failure as he denies him. And also, we'll see there's a link with John between these two events. So then, let's move on and we'll see the story from Jesus from Peter's perspective. So let's have a look at that story. We're going to read the first half of the passage now. When they had finished eating, sorry, so this is John 21, verse 15. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these do? So it's a very formal address. Like There was only one Simon there. Why give him his full name? It's kind of a formal address to emphasize how serious what he's saying is. 
Do you love me more than these do? Bear in mind that John, that, that Peter had boasted of his love for Jesus back in chapter 13. Do you love me more than these do? More than the other disciples? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you dearly. There are slightly different words used for love here. Um, most people who are experts in this don't think Peter is doing anything different. It's just varying the words um, that appear in the passage. Slightly different synonyms. So he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you dearly. And then Jesus responds, Feed my lambs. Then we have the same thing over again. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this time, he's dropped the more than these, just do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you dearly. Exactly the same response. Jesus says to him, shepherd my sheep. Slightly different terms he's using there. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me dearly? Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me dearly? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you dearly. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So I'm going to just pause there. There's another conversation, but we'll look at that in a minute. That's a shorter one. Um, so we can't, you can't help notice that these three statements match Peter's three denials of Jesus. Three times he states his love to match the three times he said, I don't know this man. And what I want to look at here is how Jesus is dealing with Peter's shame by gently drawing attention to it and then healing it. What Jesus doesn't do in this conversation is even mention the denial. Do you notice that? He never said, hey, Peter, you denied me. How about saying sorry or anything like that? No, Jesus is so gentle. Um, and he doesn't demand Peter do something to show that he's changed. Instead, he calls Peter into something positive. Each of the three times, he gives him a great responsibility. It's interesting, he's calling him to continue to do feeding because Jesus has just been feeding his sheep on the beach with literal food. And like figuratively, he's saying, Peter, I want you to continue my role. Wow. So what I want us to particularly focus on this morning is just getting to know Jesus and his gentleness in a way that helps us relate to him. If we're going to relate to Jesus, we have to know him. And we know him through these stories. And we have to have a sense of what he thinks of us if we're going to come to him with open hearts. And so what I want mainly us to do this morning is get a sense of how Jesus thinks about, relates to us when we've fallen, when we've been sinful, and how gentle he is and how affirming he is. And uh, this is, it's, it's interesting how this dealt with Peter's shame, because 
Previously, it was not discussed. It was it was hidden. Some bit, some people had seen it. Some people hadn't seen it. Who knew? Um, and the rest of his life, Peter would worry that maybe somebody would expose him. Maybe somebody would tell these stories. And it was this hidden shame he had. But now it was brought up in a gentle and positive way. And it was dealt with. And it was put behind him. And if anybody accused Peter from this point onwards, Peter could say yes. But did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus acknowledged that and yet gave me this great responsibility. Well, you may have noticed that Peter was kind of uncomfortable the third time. And, uh, you know, restoration um, is is something that does lead to discomfort. A sin brings discomfort. And this time but, but it's, this is not in any way punishment. Jesus is not punishing Peter by bringing it up the third time. He's just doing a thorough job. And you can maybe think that when it happened a third time, the bells are going off with Peter, of course. This is three times to match my three times. But the pain that Peter's suffering at this point is the pain of gentle correction and growth. It's a pain as he puts this behind him and and is able to grow into something new. And this this giving of responsibility here was huge because Jesus is trusting Peter with his sheep. This is the Peter that denied him so badly and Jesus is trusting him with his sheep. Three times he's doing this. There's no ambiguity because he does it in three different ways. This public restoration. Jesus had just been feeding his own sheep and now this job is passed on to Peter. Um, so and notice, notice, of course, that this is a servant role that Peter has, just as Jesus was a servant in doing this. So Peter is given the role of being a servant. Now, some people in church history have said, oh, this is, this makes Peter the leader amongst the church. He was a preeminent apostle, like he was like a first pope. And it's not saying anything like that at all. It's not saying he was the only one to feed the sheep. Of course not. But he's being restored at this particular point. So let's read the second conversation that happens here. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you tied your clothes around yourself and walked wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will tie you and carry you to where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So this was very validating because back in chapter 13, Peter had boasted, I'll lay down my life for Jesus. I will, I'll lay down my life. And that was like his, who he was going to be. And Jesus is actually saying, you're going to, Peter. Yeah, you will. And this is not seen by Peter as a negative thing. This is like a badge of honor and that he's going to lay down his life for Jesus. And so Jesus is like saying, remember, Peter, when you were making all those stupid boasts about me um, that are embarrassing to you now, well, actually, I'm going to make them come true. So they're not empty boasts. They really are true. And this was the ultimate 
undoing of the shame of Peter and his denial. Um, and also, when he says, follow me, at the end there, one of Peter's boasts is, I will follow you wherever you go. And so, amazingly, Jesus is linking into that and calling him back in to that following position. And uh, it's um, let's just read the last couple of verses. Um, see the last four verses. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus' chest at the meal and asked, Lord, who is the one who's going to betray you? And of course, this is John, and that links us back. This is the last point that links us very specifically back to John 13, because it's actually referencing, it's quoting from John 13. You could hardly get a stronger link in John 21 than an actual quote from John 13. So anyway, uh, it seems that in verse 19, when Jesus said to Peter, follow me, it wasn't just a metaphor, it wasn't just a, like a, a picture, like a metaphor of following him, but it was a literal following him because they, it seems that they start to walk and John is with them. And Peter turns and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So John is following along. So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about him? Now, we don't know what's going on there. We don't know whether Peter's competitiveness is coming back or what is happening, but we don't know. But that's um, that's um, uh, something that, that comes up in Peter's mind. Jesus replied, if it's my will that he live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? You follow me. And so he's nipping in the bud any competitiveness that might have been there in Peter. And then we have a, a important note. So the saying spread among the brothers and sisters that this disciple was not going to die. But Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die, but rather, if it is my will that he live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? So that's the scripture. One thing I meant to mention regarding Peter is uh, that we saw in the in last week's passage when Peter was in the boat, uh, Jesus, when Jesus called out and John recognized him, what did Peter do? Peter threw himself into the water and is kind of echoing what was said in John 13 when Jesus was going to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, no, don't wash just my feet, wash all of me. And you wonder whether this this action that Peter's doing by jumping into the sea, by plunging into the sea, has got a kind of um, a sense that there's some shame in Peter and he just feels dirty when he sees Jesus and he just jumps into the water like it to be cleaned. Maybe that's there. It's quite possible because there are so many echoes of the two chapters. And some other words are used. Are used. So the word that he tied his clothes around him is exactly the same word as Jesus tying the towel around him. And the word of plunging into the water is exactly the same word as Jesus 
plunging the water into the bowl when he filled the bowl. So it's a, there's, there's kind of echoes together. So I think it's quite possible that there's something going on with Peter when he sees Jesus. He just feels this shame on him. And that's part of why he jumps into the water. You can also see later on in that passage when Jesus says, would somebody get the fish, please? And Peter rushes off and hauls the fish in. It's like there's something not quite right. He's just feeling some guilt there. And... Um, on his best behavior, but this subject hasn't come up yet with Jesus at that point. So what I've been trying to do then in this section is to follow through Peter going from shame through to restoration. And I'd like just to look at something that Peter said about this. So Peter in, um, actually, no, I just wanted to, uh, sorry, I wanted to quote John 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. So that was the follow reference. Peter said to him now, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. I meant to read that earlier. That's the that's the passage in John 13 that's being echoed in John 21. You can see those points I've highlighted in red, which echo across. So if if we um, if we think of where where Peter is, then to summarize this, Peter must have been full of shame, and this story is about how Jesus deals with our shame. These three events I've mentioned leading up to this with Peter. Um, he says, let's go fishing. He's functioning as a leader. He jumps in the water, evocative of the washing story, and then he rushes to obey Jesus when he asks for the fish to be brought. And this is before the, these are what happened before this event. That after this event, we can see as Peter's writing in Second Peter chapter 1, uh, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. It's interesting, if we look back at this passage here, um, what does Jesus actually say uh, to Peter here? What Jesus says is, um, in verse 18, when you were young, you tied your clothes around yourself and walked wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will tie you. And that expression, stretch out your hands, is one that we have evidence was used of crucifixion. So clearly, Peter understood from this that he would die, he would be crucified. So there's some story that he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy of being crucified the right way up, but the, there's not good evidence for that story. There is good evidence that Peter was actually crucified, though. So that was part of Peter's reflection on this. Um, another thing that we can see from Peter is um, that uh, he really was um, somebody who was... was uh, brought up to confidence and, and lived a life where he really was able to serve God with confidence and without that shame that it would have just dogged him the rest of his life. So we've looked at the restoration of Peter. Uh, we've looked at how it's from Peter's perspective. Now we're going to look at what it's like from Jesus' perspective and then 
our own. So, Jesus' perspective. I believe that Jesus wants to develop Peter and has a purpose for his life. So when Jesus is looking at that scene, he's, his thoughts are not, oh, Peter, he's so annoying, I guess I have to forgive him. His thoughts are not just, I want to forgive him. His thoughts are so positive towards Peter. It's what can I do for this man who is so broken now to turn him into somebody who is so powerful in the kingdom. And so Jesus' mindset in this incident is holy for Peter. And I want to say that what he does has some temporary pain, but it's extremely important in the long term. And the end result was this solid life's work. And it's interesting to see Peter's perspective on this in 1 Peter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So he's passing on this role of shepherding. He's doing the same thing to others. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not to for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so here's Peter, who's been a shepherd all his life, writing now, passing the shepherding on to others. Uh, it's just a beautiful picture of the way Jesus brought him from such brokenness to such a position of of uh, destiny in his life and my my thesis here is that we need to see jesus at with his attitude towards us in exactly the same way that this story here is not just about peter this story is to help us get a revelation of what jesus thinks of us when we mess up badly does Jesus forgive Peter's sin? I mean, it's not even mentioned. Um, yes, of course, uh, he has, because the act of giving Peter responsibility in the way he does, making him a shepherd, I think is effectively saying you're forgiven. I think he's effectively saying all the bad stuff is gone because I'm giving you this responsibility. So uh, really what I want us to get from this story is Jesus' perspective on us. And that Jesus is always seeing the potential in us and calling us into something of value. I believe that Jesus is very concerned that you don't let your failure destroy you. He's concerned about your failure, but the real goal is he wants you to become somebody who's significant and has a role in his kingdom. Um, Jesus could have just discarded Peter and found someone else who wasn't so flawed. But no, he didn't. He restored him. And this is Jesus' goal for you. This story is a call for you to come to this Jesus with an honest heart. Can you imagine being there with him after breakfast on the beach and he wants to have a conversation with you? And he's got such a heart of love to you. He's got such a heart of compassion that you just want to bring anything to him. 
that you have that you're ashamed about because you know that he will bring healing to you and bring restoration. That is the Jesus I want you to grab hold of this morning. So we've looked at the story from Peter's perspective, Jesus' perspective, and I want to just end by refreshing our minds on what we can learn and what this story can teach us. And I want to just leave us with this this one slide, Jesus and you. All of us carry some kind of shame. Unless we've never sinned, or we are totally shameless psychopaths, we carry some kind of shame. And sometimes we have a shame that makes us say, I failed Jesus so badly, I'm just useless. And this idea of uselessness because of our own brokenness is what Jesus wants to undo in you this morning. A shame that makes you feel useless. This story is to help us understand how Jesus deals with failure, with our failure. So when you've done something wrong, you've done it again, and you're going to pray to God. What does he think of you when you bring that prayer to him? I want you to remember this story and come to him and let him gently restore you. It's far more important to Jesus that you trust him. Far more important that you believe that he has already forgiven you that his death on the cross forgives you, that you trust his forgiveness is more important to him than what to, than you try hard to repent or something like that. He really, he wants you to trust in his character. Come to him and let him gently restore you. Just tell him about it and accept it is the same gentle Jesus that talked with Peter on the beach that morning. So once again this week we have a revelation of Jesus. Last week's was a revelation of Jesus' care for us. His presence with us even when we don't see him. And this week's revelation is of a Jesus who is so gentle when we fail and so concerned to restore our shame to wholeness and to take away our feelings of uselessness, and give us purpose. Can you take that in? I'm going to pray now that the Holy Spirit will enable you to take that in. And this Jesus that we have been reading about will be in your heart, and he will heal your sins and anything in you that needs that is shameful and needs restoring, he will do that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us your love through Jesus. And we know that Jesus' heart for us is no different to your heart because he is the revelation of your love. Send your spirit to us now, Father, and make these truths real to us. Give us faith to believe in this Jesus, that we will come to him. We will be cleansed like Peter was and empowered like he was. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.